this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bell Ringer. My name is Greg. Your guest name today is Sarah Bowman from the Hotman Woodward Institute in the heart of the Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus. Sarah is a scientist running the crystallography lab and structural biology. We have a great and important conversation about the work they're doing on the COVID-19 pandemic and the process through which will lead to an eventual vaccine, how that path goes through Buffalo. Thank you so much to Sarah for her time and her work and each of you for listening. Thanks, guys. So for those that don't know, tell people a bit more about Hopman Woodward Institute and, and some of the history behind it. Uh, so Hopman Woodward has actually been around uh, for just over 60 years. Um, and um, it's, it's really a thriving structural biology hub. Um, and structural biology is really the study of how things look at a very small, detailed level. Um, and um, it was... Um, you know, founded um, with the financial support of uh, Helen Woodward Rivas um, and um, has, you know, really been doing a lot of fantastic work for, for the past 60 plus years uh, in predominantly structural biology. Um, we, of course, uh, had one of our directors uh, before I actually started, uh, Dr. Herbert Hauptman, who's a Nobel Prize winner um, from right here in Buffalo, New York. And um, and, you know, I guess that's really representative of the type of kind of, of the level of scientific kind of uh, effort and, and work that, that happens at HWI. Yeah, I, I actually was in the building for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I interviewed okay. somebody in the lobby and I saw the, the Nobel Prize right there. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> amazing. And, and you know, right you know the etching along the glass there is all... Um, equations from her apartment um and really? the equation yeah and so in the very front of the building there's a there's all these really beautiful uh, etching of uh, diffraction patterns and the equations that he actually got nobel prize for and so it's you know it's an amazing thing if you're a kind of a geek like me that's really awesome so that's amazing yeah it's and you know for those that are listening not from buffalo right kind of in the heart of the buffalo niagara medical campus surrounded by a ton of, you know, relatively new and, and beautiful buildings. So there's mm -hmm. a ton of innovation going on kind of in that research park. Yeah, it's great. Actually, I, you know, the HWI building, which is so unique and, and beautiful, right, right. Um, was actually the first building that was um, part of the, the, part, the first new building that was part of the new Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus. And HWI is one of the founding members of um, of the BNMC. And so, um, and it's a, you know, it's really a vibrant area with the medical school right there. We're, we're directly connected to uh, UB with the computational resources there. And then um, Roswell Park is right across the street. And then there's all the startup things that are happening everywhere there as well. So it's great. Yeah. So within Hotman Woodward, um, you're charged with running or directing the crystallography center. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. yep. So tell people what, what that is a bit more specifically. Okay. So the crystallization center that I direct um, is a high throughput crystallization screening center. 
Um, and so the first question is, what is crystallography and what is crystallization and why do you need it? Um, and, Read my and mind. So, that is the first question. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> so the answer to that is um, when, when we um, are trying to understand what different molecules um, are within human body and within viruses and within bacteria that, for instance, cause disease or uh, mutations or variations in, in, in proteins, uh, which are kind of the molecular building blocks of, of uh, cells, we need to try to understand what they look like. Um, and so one of the ways that we do that is actually using a technique called x-ray crystallography. And in that technique, what we do is we shoot x-rays at our crystal sample. And so the first thing we actually have to do is make the sample that we have actually form into a crystal. We have to coax that to, to happen somehow. And it turns out that this is a huge bottleneck. So there's a, there's a worldwide database that is um, called the Protein Data Bank, and it has the over 160,000 different structures that have been solved. Most of those structures have been solved with um, X-ray crystallography. And so most of them have gotten to that crystal stage, but because it's a huge bottleneck um, and it's, it's one that typically takes a lot of trial and error and experimenting and trying to just figure out how to take um, this, uh, you know, pretty precious sample that you have and actually make it go into a form that will um, then that we can take the experimental data on to actually be able to tell what it looks like. Um, and so about 20 years ago, uh, Feb February 2000, they, uh, they started this high-throughput crystallization center. And it's really been, um, the, the center has been at the forefront of um, doing a lot of the research into how these methods actually work uh, and how to get macromolecules to crystallize um, in that entire 20 years. And so we, what happens um, is that people from all around the world actually send their samples to us and we have um, a lot of different robotics um, and uh, imaging instruments and specialized equipment and we've been running for 20 years and so we have a lot of expertise and we set people's samples up for them and then we have a very specific kind of experimental um, uh, technique that we use to figure out what conditions will crystallize, in what conditions the, the samples will crystallize. Um, and so we try to kind of remove that barrier for um, people who are trying to understand the particular samples that they're working with and the proteins that they're working with, which are really important for kind of understanding disease and, uh, you know, just figuring out how, what things look like at all. So, so that's, that's, that's what we do, and then we send them, we, we have this experiment that actually sets things up for about six weeks, and then we um, monitor the conditions for six weeks to watch when those crystals actually, for when those crystals grow. Right, and then, you know, obviously, top of everyone's mind is the COVID pandemic, and, um, you know, to be able to put that process <laughs> into practice, um, for something that's so you know relevant to everybody how how has the center played a role in that and um you know some of this science or research with the mm -hmm. coronavirus disease well so i mean that's a great question so i i think that one of the really interesting things is that 
the scientific community as a whole has uh, really dropped everything and just been really focused on trying to understand the virus and the different pieces and parts of the virus in terms of the, you know, kind of first line responders being able to figure out how to even treat people who, who get this disease, the epidemiologists who are trying to understand how it's spread. Um, and then what we do is structural biology. So what structural biology gives you, like I said, is a sense of what things look like at a very small level. So if we think about like the overall size of, of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, um, so that variant is around 100 nanometers. So that's extremely tiny, and that contains everything that's in that virus, right? Um, and so if we want to try to understand, for instance, how to develop a vaccine to stop the virus from entering the human host um, and the human lungs and, and all of that, or if we want to try to understand how to stop some of the proteins that are uh, responsible for uh, the kind of infectivity and the fact that the virus is able to replicate within the human cells, um, then we need to be able to see what they look like, these things, right? And so the virus itself is really small. The things that actually make up the virus are therefore even smaller. So to be able to uh, look at these things, it's, it's almost like looking at things that are virtually invisible. So if we were trying to see these things with, with just the naked eye, that, that would never be possible. We, we see these uh, big pictures of the, of the variant where there's like the big sphere um, and it's got like the red spikes coming out of it and the other kind of colored things. Well, so that red spike is a protein. And, um, and so to kind of really get a good sense of what that protein looks like to be able to design a vaccine that will help to stop it from being able to bind to the human human cells and actually then release the variant inside the cells means doing structural biology. Okay, so that's, that's kind of our, our, basic, um, our, our basic thing there. Um, so what, what we do, um, what we've been doing in the Crystallization Center, so obviously in uh, March we shut down uh, for normal samples. So we, we typically receive samples from all over the world, like I was saying. Um, and what happened was around the same time that that New York was shutting down initially, we were getting contacted by researchers who were already working um, very quickly on SARS-CoV-2 proteins. Um, so these are pieces of the virus that are important for how it works. Um, and saying, can you please screen our protein samples for crystallography um, to try to figure out what, what things will crystallize. Um, and so, uh, we were able to kind of put put practices into place to make that happen and and safe for for kind of our group to to be able to be in the building. Um, everybody is staggered and really only working kind of one person at a time, um, and we're still trying to do that even though we're uh, you know kind of ramping slowly back up, obviously. Um, but we've been very successful in that. Um, we were able to get uh, National Science Foundation funding uh, for rapid response to be able to fund uh, these experiments for people who are sending things to us. Um, I, I can tell you that, um, so we, we are 
we work with a, a lot of confidentiality until the results are actually out. So I can tell you we're working with samples from many different states from um, all across the U.S. and we've had inquiries from um, international labs as well. Um, and that we um, so far have already participated by being this uh, kind of finding the initial conditions for a particular protein um, in the SARS-CoV-2 that is called the um, main protease. And so this is a really critical drug target. Um, and so our users were from, are from Oak Ridge National Laboratory. And they have been able to solve this structure very quickly. And in part, it's because they were able to find the crystallization conditions very quickly by using um, the High Throughput Crystallization Screening Center. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of part of what we're doing. Um, we are, um, well, we're one of three groups at HWI who actually got NSF rapid funding uh, for, for SARS-CoV-2 projects. And so we're, we're very uh, active actually at HWI uh, in three different areas working on, on trying to kind of confront, confront this. So. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about the, the ability to speed up the process through this crystallization, um, you know, I guess as an example, like, you know, what kind of time frame difference does that create for people or, you know, for your end user for the research? Uh, it's pretty substantial. And I will say that um, the other thing is that the structural biology community has also really come uh, together and been working very hard together to release their data and release um, information very quickly. So, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I was actually at a conference last week virtually um, and we were talking, as, it was a structural biology conference, and we were talking about the just amazing uh, response time that has occurred. So what I was ta telling you about the protein data bank, which kind of can, holds all of these structures. So normally um, it, once something new is discovered and you're trying to get a structure, it could take years to get. And you know, we had the first structures of some of the proteins within, within months. And at this point, you know, this is, of course, COVID was really identified in December of 2019. Here we are in August, 2020. And, you know, I actually just looked the other day and we have just over 300 structures of some of these proteins. Now there's only, you know, 28 proteins in this variant. And so uh, there's, structures with lots of different drugs bound or potential inhibitors or things that might help to help us to design better drugs to actually stop various proteins from functioning. And so it's, it's actually been a really amazing time to kind of be a scientist and to be in structural biology, to be, be working with this stuff. And when people talk about a path to a, an eventual vaccine, um, you know, your work at HWI and I guess structural biology, someone has it in the name structure is one of the, mm -hmm. the first steps on the path to getting there, right? It typically is. Yeah. So we, we, um, the, so in terms of trying to figure out how to design a vaccine, that's actually going to be effective. You know, there's of course always the, uh, there, there's all manner of kind of clinical trials and, and things that we hear a lot about. And before we kind of get to that is typically information about what, what the thing is that we're trying to vaccinate against. And so in this case, so the spike protein that um, 
that we were talking about earlier um, is, a, is a key kind of vaccination target. Um, and so having a sense of what it looks like and what all the different pieces and parts are, what it looks like when it's uh, closed up and on the, on the virus surface, what it looks like when it's open and actually coordinating to, to a human protein. Um, these are all things that are really important for us to be able to kind of say, okay, well, what would be a potential thing we could use to vaccinate against? And then the other thing is the treatment, which is, you know, so there's vaccines, which are kind of preventative, and then there's treatment methods, which are more uh, treatment. You, you, you've been infected with COVID-19, and what's going to be a good way to actually stop that infection before it kind of proceeds? And those are also really uh, Im impacted by structural biology. So there's an entire field called structure-based drug design, where having the structure allows us to kind of design drugs to go after just that structure, but not structures of say your human proteins, because obviously we, we don't, it's all always a delicate balance to make sure that what, what, we're, what we're putting in to kill the virus is not going to harm the human, so. Yeah, and you know, you have all of this, obviously very intensive work going on. Simultaneously, you're under a bit of a construction project with we the are. cryo em center so right uh, tell everybody a, a bit about that and and how that's gone balancing the two with probably you know like you said shutting down a bit in march coming back working safely but also constructing this new project and i think you guys are maybe in the process of wrapping up yeah the construction is going really well so uh as i mentioned uh X-ray crystallography is, an, is a major technique in structural biology, and uh, I would say that the uh, other really amazing technique the, um, that's getting a lot of, uh, that's kind of the cutting edge right now is cryo-EM. Um, so that's cryo-electron microscopy. Um, and what that requires is um, essentially having a really big microscope to be able to, again, look at these really small molecules. And so it's a very similar kind of thing. We have to take our very small molecules and look at them with, with something. Um, and so uh, we are in the process of finishing construction for the Cryolium Center at HWI. And that's super exciting for us as structural biologists because, um, especially because, uh, okay, for me, it might be a little selfish, but uh, for me, it's really exciting because uh, the crystallization center is on the second floor, the cryo-EM center is on the, on the first floor, uh, and uh, we will have a lot of kind of uh, back and forth talk because you never know what the best technique is going to be to actually solve the structures of your particular kind of molecule. Um, and so it's, it's really great to be able to kind of have both things. So the construction um, has been proceeding uh, during, during the shutdown. Uh, and in fact, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been really interesting because when you only go in every few days, uh, it, you know, things proceed very quickly. Uh, and uh, I believe we should be getting um, our cryo-EM installed, our first cryo-EM microscope installed uh, sometime quite soon. We've hired a new cryo-EM director, Dr. Xuxing Zhang, um, to um, kind of head the center. Uh, and so it's really great. And the other thing is that we, we actually um, uh, run, HWI runs a, a particular synchrotron beam line actually out in Chicago at the Advanced Photon Source, which is called IMCA. Um, and so 
between the cryo EM center, the IMCA beam line, which is, which is really specific for a lot of pharmaceutical companies to be able to use, and the crystallization center, we actually have all of, I would say, many of the tools that we really need to actually be kind of the hub for structural biology in kind of a, in the U.S. So, Right, and that actually transitions nicely into what I wanted to talk about next, and we somewhat got into it at the beginning, HWI's place on the Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus. But, you know, more macroscopically, I don't know that many people, when they hear Buffalo, think about a lot of the work that you just talked about, um, you know, being located here. But there really is, we, we really are, or at least have the potential to be a hub for you know, life and health sciences. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about your experience, not just at HWI, but, you know, within this community, both, you know, within close proximity around you, you mentioned Roswell, but, you know, kind of Western New York more, more widely. Well, so I actually did my graduate work at University of Rochester. So the first time I, um, uh, came to Buffalo um, was actually for a conference that was held at the HWI building, um, which um, now I was actually doing uh, a, a different experimental technique at that time. Um, but um, it's just, it's a really beautiful building and it's a really, um, you know, wonderful place. You walk in and you really enjoy being there and you want to kind of go to work every day. Um, so, um, within, uh, I, I think that in some ways you could think of HWI as being a, a little jewel in Buffalo that a lot of people in Buffalo don't necessarily know a lot about, um, but that within kind of the wider scientific world, um, it's pretty well known in terms of structural biology and, and the work we've done. And in part that's because, um, the, the crystallization center has been kind of up and, and, and running for 20 years and is, is kind of known as a, as a very uh, innovative and um, uh, resource for, for people to be able to use. And in part, um, it, it's just because there's a lot of really good science that's happening at HWI. And so, you know, I was at uh, this, you know, meeting last week in structural biology and, you know, everybody there knows HWI. And, you know, what I did my um, postdoc work at MIT and people there know HWI. And it's very strange because sometimes you're, you're in, in Buffalo and, and, and talking to people who are not scientists and they say, oh, I don't know what, what HWI is. Um, and so, so it's, I think it's uh, really great to, to kind of, um, be part now of the BNMC, which I think is expanding in really fantastic ways. Um, so I've been at HWI for uh, just three years now. So I watched the medical school being built. Essentially, it was it was kind of a shell uh, when I arrived in in Buffalo, and I've also you know watched the the kind of um, community in uh, Buffalo, the scientific community, um, just become I think more uh, engaged with one another, you know, so I have uh, collaborators and co-workers who are at Roswell, I have um, co collaborators and co-workers who are at University of Buffalo at the Medical Center, I have an appointment in the Department of Biochemistry um, in, at the med school as well. Um, 
and I think that also translates to having a lot of interactions also with um, the other kind of schools in the area. So one of the great things about the cryo-EM center is we will have the only cryo-EM center in Western New York, upstate New York, uh, you know, uh, so, um, so it's great because we, you know, we, we get to interact with, with uh, the scientists who are here in the Buffalo area, but also at University of Rochester, RIT, kind of down into the southern tier and, and just all over the place. And so, you know, and I, I think, again, that because HWI is such a um, kind of uh, a, a important contributor in structure, structural biology and that people really know a lot of the scientists who who are at HWI, kind of in the larger structural biology community. I mean, we, we end up working and, and interacting and collaborating with people in California and in Chicago and in, you know, all over the place. So we're going to, we're going to help spread the, uh, spread the word through this podcast here in Buffalo. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today and, all of your incredible work, you know, always, but especially over the last few months during this pandemic, obviously everybody is, you know, so grateful and Buffalo is certainly lucky to have you and, and everyone at HWI. Before I let you go, we have a couple hard hitting blizzard round questions. I'll toss a few at you and then I'll, I'll let you get back to it. If you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Coffee. Book or TV show that you'd recommend? I don't really watch TV, so I can't recommend any TV shows at all. However, uh, let's see. You know, especially right now because of the pandemic, uh, I've been reading Spillover, which is a nonfiction book about um, uh, essentially the prevalence of various viruses uh, in in the world and their spread into human populations. So, you know, as a as a kind of um, what's happening right now and getting a bigger, bigger sense of it. I, I think I would recommend that. Great. Uh, text or phone call. Text. Bills or sabers. Bills. <laughs> I know you're, you're newer to Buffalo. So that was a tougher <laughs> question. Hiking or skiing. Neither. Okay. And then <laughs> final question. Most important one, chicken wings, drumstick or flat. You know, I'm partial to kind of uh, vegan treatments of, of uh, kind of chicken, chicken-like things. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure that they get to that level of detail, though, when you're in, in the vegan world. So, Cauliflower or something like that. Cauliflower, good, yeah. Mm, perfect. Jackfruit, you know. <laughs> it still sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the sauce that really does it. So. Yeah, exactly. The buffalo sauce. <laughs> Well, thank you again so much. We really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Bell Ringer is a podcast by Invest Buffalo Niagara, the region's privately funded nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast, follow our social media channels, and read our blog at buffaloniagara.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.